Welcome to Bound and Determined, the podcast. I'm your host, Meg McKean. We hold this space to learn from, to grow with, to support, and to celebrate all of the women in insurance. I am so glad that you're here. Have you heard? Bound and Determined is hitting the road, and I'd love to see you along the way. To stay up to date and learn more about events coming your way by and for women in insurance, head to adjunctadvisors.com and subscribe to the newsletter. I'll see you soon. Let's talk about the M word. And by the M word, I mean money. My guest today is Maggie Germano. Maggie is the founder of The Money Circle. In The Money Circle, she holds space for women to explore all of the emotions tied to money. We'll talk about shame and we'll talk about confidence. We'll talk about feast or famine and we'll talk about budgets and what we do when they don't work. Off we go. Maggie, I'm so excited to have you today on this episode. I know that our listeners are going to glean so much information from hearing and learning from you, but I know that I will too. And I think secretly that's one of my favorite parts about being able to be on this side of the conversation is that I get a, a little coaching session of my own. I know for me, um, money as a category and all that that entails is a very loaded topic for me, and I sense that it is for a lot of our listeners as well. So thank you for being here and for sharing your wisdom and your time uh, with us to hopefully share some ideas and some inspiration and in how to make our relationship with money a little less emotionally charged. So thank you, Maggie. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So how did we get here? Can you tell me a little bit about your background and, and share your story? I know I love to hear the story, so can't wait to hear yours. Yeah. So I've been in the financial coaching world for almost four years. Uh, I launched my business officially in March 2016. And before that, I had been in the nonprofit field working on environmental conservation and strategic planning around advocacy programs. And that's really the work that I always planned to be doing. That was uh, why I moved to Washington, D.C. and where I really always saw myself. But after I think it was like five and a half years of being in that field and a large part of that being at one specific organization, I realized I was pretty bored with my work. I felt like I had kind of lost my passion for what I was working on. I felt like there wasn't anything I was very interested in or particularly good at. And it was a strange place to be where I was doing very well in my career. I'd been promoted several times. I was making decent money. And so, you know, from the outside, it looked like everything was really awesome and I was doing really well. But on the inside, I was, you know, confused and bored and just didn't really know what I needed to be doing instead. And so I kind of set off into throwing myself into so many different opportunities, different leadership opportunities and volunteer opportunities. And in Washington, D.C., there's just so many organizations you can help out with and experiment with. And I knew I wanted to work with women in some way, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted that to be, whether it was uh, reproductive health or something else. And, you know, through throwing myself into all of these different opportunities, I found myself meeting 
a lot of women who were struggling with money in one way or another, whether it was student loan debt or credit card debt or just not knowing how to budget and manage their own money. And then all of the embarrassment and shame coming up around all of those things. And uh, I've always been really interested in personal finance just on a personal level after a manager gave me a book about managing money when I was like 22, which I think was really helpful and important for me and my financial life. And so I saw an opportunity to help people, help women in particular with something that I actually enjoyed thinking and learning and talking about and felt pretty good at. And I really just started off as kind of taking those opportunities, you know, offering to sit down and help them create a budget sit down and help them come up with a debt payoff plan or even just being a sounding board for them to have someone to actually talk to about the things they were struggling with. And I wasn't actually planning on doing anything with that until I had been really taking advantage of these opportunities over and over again. And somebody said to me, you know, why can't this be the work that you do? Like, why can't you become a coach or a financial advisor or something like that? And that really just turned on a light in my head that was never really there before because it never occurred to me to be an entrepreneur or a business owner. And so I got certified as a coach. I got certified as a financial educator and registered my business. And it's pretty much been history since then. I love that story. I know I can relate personally. You basically described my own career journey, just substitute the industries. Um, And I know without a doubt that your story resonates with so many of our listeners. I know that there comes a point in many of our careers where you've accumulated these amazing experiences and amazing connections, but you kind of take a step back and scratch your head almost and say, what's it all what's it all about? What's it all for? And while the industry is ripe with opportunity, I think a lot of women are are maybe in that place right now. And I feel like we could talk for an hour about career path alone, but I want to dig in a little bit more to, to the work that you do specifically around money and finances. And I think it's important that you, and, and the reason that I wanted you to join me in this conversation is because you and I are largely connected on LinkedIn, just to give a little bit of backstory. And what I find in the information that you share, but more the way that you share it, is that you have such a good balance between the technical, but also the heart. So you know your stuff. You know the financial end of, of the business that you're in. You, you know what you're doing, of course. You're the expert. But you also express it in a way when you use the word shame. That's something that a lot of us feel, but that few of us are able to express. And I love that you you lean right into that. And I think that that's really powerful and, and why the work you do is so impactful and, and why you're having the success that you are. But let's dig into that a little bit more. So many of the women listening are selling insurance. So insurance sales is often a feast or famine um, kind of business. Most insurance salespeople earn a commission of some sort, and that commission isn't paid until you sell an insurance policy. And often there's a delay or a lag between when that deal is done and, and when that money hits your checking account. And it can be really hard from a budgeting standpoint and a confidence standpoint. And so much so that that many are just turned off, frankly, from a career in insurance sales. And it does have great upward potential. And, and obviously I'm a huge advocate for it, but can you talk about that, that feeling of a uh, feast or famine when you, you don't know what's coming next? And do you have any pointers or advice for someone that might be feeling that today? 
Yeah. And that, that's a really good point because it's especially in your industry, but there are many others as well where there, there is that series of feast and famine periods of time and it can be overwhelming and stressful. And I think it leads a lot of people to thinking that they just can't budget and that they just kind of have to live this way. And I think it's important to figure out a way that you don't have to feel that way all the time and that you can find the systems that you need to actually feel like you have a little bit more control over your finances. So the first thing that I would recommend is getting a general understanding of what your ne- your necessary expenses actually are. So understanding how much you need to be paying in your rent or your mortgage, things like utilities, any um Debts that you have to pay, whether that's a student loan debt, a car loan, a personal loan, a credit card payment, and anything else that you know has to go out every single month so that you don't you know, get kicked out of your apartment or get your lights shut off or whatever it might be. But having that really basic understanding of what are those necessities and what is that very base of how much money needs to go out every single month and then get some clarity around how much money you need to be spending on the things that help you basically stay alive, like food and transportation and think those basic needs like medications, things like that. So those go beyond those those necessity spending, but they still are a necessity, but they're just a little less fixed. So kind of understanding how much you typically need to be spending on that at the minimum. And then those two numbers together are really going to be that base amount of money that you need to be earning every single month to live and keeping that in mind so that as long as you're making that amount of money, you're always going to have enough to get by. And anything above that is going to be going to other priorities like paying down a bigger chunk of debt or building up savings or being able to go out and go out to eat or go shopping and things like that and getting that clarity between the two, between what you need and what you actually want so that you can always try to make sure that you're always bringing in enough for that base amount. And then anything that comes above that, that you're saving as much of that as possible so that when those other periods of time where you're making less than you might actually want or need, you have money to be pulling from from the side. Maggie, that's such great advice. And I know that conversation between nice to have versus need to have is one that most of us are having on a somewhat regular basis. And again, that could be a conversation all in itself. But I love the idea that um, a budget gives us a great starting point. And I know that many of us listening have either enacted a budget now and, and are living with that in mind or have tried it in the past. And I want to dig a little bit deeper into the idea that we may have the best of intentions, but often things happen, uh, life happens, emergencies happen, and kind of where do we go from there? So we, we know what we need to do, but we're not always doing it. It's the gym membership that we don't end up using. It's, it's the, the luxury subscription to something that we paid for and, and just aren't using. So can we talk a little bit about things that we, we can do when we need to get back on course? Yeah, that's a great question. And and something building off of that, something to remember is that everybody falls off track all the time on anything, whether it is, like you said, exercise or eating in a certain way or your budget. Everyone is going to fall off track. I'm 
a financial coach and I still have those moments myself as well. So nobody's perfect. It's totally normal to, to fall off track. And the most important thing is just trying to get back up again. And it can be picking one very small thing to do to make you feel like you're you're getting back to where you want to be, whether that is signing up for a budgeting platform that will automate tracking of your spending. So it pulls in your bank account information and your credit card information. And so you have one place where you can log in and see where your money's going, how much of it is going where, so that you have that general understanding of what is actually happening. That can be just one step. That's, that doesn't mean you're going to overhaul and change everything overnight about what you're doing, but that knowledge is really important. It can also be taking a step of, like you kind of said, going and canceling one thing that you know that you're not actually using and that you're not, it's not worth that money. And so thinking small and thinking incremental and figuring out what is actually one step that I know I can take today to make me feel better about what I'm doing and to show that I'm actually taking some action. Because often just taking one step helps you get the confidence that you need to take more steps moving forward. So identifying that one easy step you can take and just getting started because it doesn't have to be the new year in order for you to start something new. It doesn't even have to be a new week or a new month to get started on something new. It's just a matter of making a decision and, and just falling through. I love the idea of moving your finances over from the someday bucket to the today bucket. And I think that one small move at a time is a really powerful suggestion. I know for me, just total transparency, um, money categorically is probably one of my biggest hangups in, in my personal and my business life. And it's not a a lack of necessarily, it's a confidence issue um, that I, I can manage it and that it will be okay. And I think, frankly, that's something that I've probably carried with me most of my life. And so it's something that I'm very aware of. One of the things that I've chosen to do into 2020 is to designate time each month to sit in a place that feels comfortable and warm to me with coffee, which is my favorite hot beverage, and spend the day with my finances, both my business and my personal. And I think a step for many, many listeners might be simply to pull up your credit card statement and sit with it, look at it, see where the money is going. I think most credit card providers will give you a little pie chart and show you categorically where your money's going. And, and I think there's, for many women in particular, it's almost an avoidance, like I'll just deal with it later or I don't want to know it's so bad. And the reality is it's, it's rarely as bad <laughs> as, we, as we might think, but we, we convince ourselves by not taking action that it's often worse than it really is. So I love that, that first step um, for our listeners and, and I hope some take your advice. I'd love to know, kind of switching gears here, I know that you are um, a trained salary negotiator and I think that this is fascinating. Often in the work that I do, compensation comes up, but I certainly don't have the background or the credentials that you do to speak about it. I'm certain in insurance, just like so many industries, we have a wage gap. It's a hot topic for many inside the industry, and we're working on wage equality and wage equity um, all the time, but yet we're still, we're still not there. And, and often I'm approached by women working in the business asking for advice. How do I, how do I get where I want to go? And of course it starts with asking, but it's a much more loaded conversation with that. Talk a little bit more about the work that you do and, and any 
guidance that you might have? Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's definitely a really important topic. And I think something that is important to remember too is this is definitely a societal issue. It's obviously happening in all industries. And so it's not just a matter of women not asking for what they want and not being confident to negotiate for higher salaries. It is a societal issue that needs to be dealt with at higher levels. But there are also ways for us as individuals to ask for more, earn more, show as an example you know, to others that it is possible to advocate for yourself. And it's also necessary to advocate for yourself. So not putting all the onus on individuals because it is a bigger, broader issue, but also, you know, it doesn't hurt <laughs> to negotiate for yourself. So this is such an important topic to me because it, you know, I, like I said, I work with women and I believe that money is really a source of power and freedom for everybody, but especially for women who have not historically had money or power or freedom uh, to make their own decisions. And so having that, uh, that control over their own finances and having more access to capital is really important in just continuing to move equality forward and, and continuing to allow women to have more of a say in the world and in their lives. So the salary negotiation aspect of that is such an important piece because, you know, it's such a clear moment of inequality when you're seeing that there is that gender wage gap and that racial wage gap and all of those things. So, you know, I didn't always negotiate salary while I was working for employers because I was often working somewhere where uh, they would kind of say like, this is how much we pay for this position. And you really are kind of out of luck in, in that regard. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes that's not necessarily true. So when I went through a salary negotiation training workshop, I found a lot of what I learned was something I had never heard before. And it was empowering because I realized there were lots of resources out there where you're not only just saying, this is how much I want to make and this is why I think I deserve it. But there are also resources and tools out there where you can do market research and show and have actual proof like this is what this position is worth and this is what other organizations are paying for this. And so basically, if you're not paying me this for this position, you're not keeping up with the market and you're going to lose out on talent. And so you're bringing more than just the emotional side of things to the table. And so that was something that was really really informative and transformational for me. And then seeing how many of my friends and family and clients now who struggle with that negotiation piece because there is that worry about not being likable. There's the worry of someone rescinding an offer because you try to negotiate. And so I decided to go through a training program to be able to train others on salary negotiation because I see how that just touches on so many of the different issues that I care about. And it also just helps women not only earn more in their careers and advocate for themselves, but also build that confidence because in that process, they're actually forced to defend themselves and to understand why they are so good at their jobs and why an employer should want to keep them and why they should be paid more in order to do so. And so it's twofold. You're earning more money and you're building up that understanding and confidence in your own abilities. So it's been a really cool tool to bring to the people that I speak to or that I train and also my clients. Oh, I'm so glad you're out there in the world doing the work that you're doing. It's, it's just, it's so powerful. And I feel like it's something that so many women feel like they're navigating alone 
and they just don't have to. I, I assume that's one way that someone could engage with you if they were wanting to do some some salary negotiation. Could they work with you to fine tune that process and work on building that knowledge? Yeah, absolutely. So whether that is attending a workshop that I'm putting on or a speaking engagement that is focusing on salary negotiation, or if they want to hire me as a one-on-one coach and work specifically on the negotiation piece, as well as uh, gaining some of that confidence around advocating for themselves and selling their skills and all of that, that's definitely something they can do. Amazing. For me, I know that prior to my entrepreneurial journey, the way that I made the greatest progress in terms of compensation within the insurance industry was to leave. You know, most insurance organizations are are giving standard two to four to six percent raises year over year, which is great. Certainly nothing to balk at, but the reality is the greatest moves that I made were for opportunities with other organizations. And we are just absolutely in a, a crisis, if you will, in the insurance industry for talent. And we just can't afford to have good people leave because of a couple of extra percent. So it is a two-way conversation. And I hope that if anyone listening is an employer, that they <laughs> remember that their their teammates have options, but that also those team uh, people on those teams remember that these are conversations that are totally appropriate to be having in the scope of your employment. Compensation is important to all involved and is worth digging into. So thank you for that great, that great advice. I love to know, pat yourself on the back. Tell me about a success story that you've had working with a client. What does a a win look like for you and for the people that you work with? That's such a good question. And it, it definitely varies by the individual client because everybody's kind of working on something different. I guess I would say, and recently, so I always send a, an outgoing client survey to folks when I'm kind of finishing up my work with them. And I was just looking over some responses recently. And one of the, my clients said that the way that they thought about themselves in relationship to their money and that their ability to manage their money had completely transformed from the beginning of the time that we had worked together because they went from feeling like there was no way they could ever feel caught up with their money and there was no way they could feel confident and in control of their finances. And they went from that to feeling like they had a system in place that totally worked and having just complete confidence in their own ability to maintain and track their budget and save for bigger expenses and pay off their credit card and that they just had this completely new view on what they were capable of and what their financial situation could actually be. And so even though they weren't able to completely pay off their credit card debt within that three-month period of us working together, they got to a point where their mindset had completely changed and made made it so that they felt like it's okay. They will eventually pay off that credit card because they do have the systems in place that need to be there in order to get there. And so that transformation in just the way that they're thinking about their money and thinking about themselves, that is a huge impact for me and a huge win for me because I actually think that the mindset is a huge indicator in the action that you're actually able to take and the progress that you'll be able to make. I think that that is one of the most important pieces. So those are the kinds of wins that I really like to hear. I love that. And I'm going to call you out a little bit on that because you're giving credit to the system for the success, but the success is you. I know 
for certain that you are holding space for people to have these super uncomfortable, vulnerable conversations. And that from that place of vulnerability is where the confidence blooms. And I know that the system is great. I don't doubt that. And there are other systems out there is the reality. But I am just confident that the way that you are working with your clients and the safe space that you create for them is is really where the magic happens. So kudos to you. I have I have no doubt that there are great things in your future. And I just want to shout out and point everyone to your podcast, which it's always fun being in this environment with a fellow podcaster. But tell me about Money Circle and what Money Circle is as a group and then the podcast as well. Thank you. So Money Circle started out as an in-person meetup group in Washington, D.C., which is where the area that I'm from. And it started off as just this tiny little group where I I wanted to create more community around talking about money. And uh, like we've talked about how important that vulnerability is, how shame can be really debilitating and feeling isolated and alone in the things you struggle with is one of the things that really breeds that shame and makes it hard to uh, relate to other people as well as feeling more forgiving to yourself and and seeing a way forward and out of your situation. So I wanted a way to create community around money, especially for women, as well as breaking taboo around talking about money and making, you know, viewing talking about money as something that was rude rather than something that was necessary. And so I think the first meeting was like four people in my apartment talking about probably how to talk about money. I don't even remember what the first topic was. So it, we still do this monthly in-person meetup in DC and every single month has a different topic. It's still just for women. The attendees, they've really grown. Uh, membership has grown. And then I also turned it into a free Facebook group of the same name, Money Circle. Um, and there's, I think, almost 900 people in there from all over the place. And they can share their questions. They can share their wins you know, when they've achieved something, they can share resources. And it's really just a place where you know that you can go to ask questions, ask for advice, share an exciting uh, development that happened around your money. And so it's just, again, just growing on building that community. And so I really like the name Money Circle because I think it shows that it is a community and it is a space where, you know, women are gathering together to talk about money and learn about money without judging each other or feeling judged and really creating that safe space. So when I decided to start a podcast, I decided to use that same name and really make it an expansion of that money circle idea and that money circle brand. And so it's money circle, the podcast, and I bring different women on every it's every other week i i alternate between answering a listener question by myself and then bringing in an external expert to talk about something with me and so it and it's always a woman that i'm bringing on talking about an issue that might not seem directly related to money like my first guest was a style coach and you know, talking about how to budget for your wardrobe and how to feel good in your clothes and how to feel confident and how that can expand your career and and further what you feel capable of doing and those sorts of things. So it's really fun to just learn a lot of new things from other women who are working in their own fields to help empower women uh, while at the same time educating and informing my listeners and in a way that makes them feel like they can understand it and it's accessible to them. 
Mm. So Allison uh, Hamilton Rowe was my first guest as well on this podcast. So I love this, what do they say? Small, big world or big, small world that we live in. It's great. Um, And I love that she and I had a conversation around sort of making that, that shift from the corporate world and how we present in our professional dress versus how we express our individuality. So I love that even in the work that she does, it touches so many other areas of life. And I think that's life in general. We just can't draw hard lines between who we are at work and who we are in the rest of our life. So I I love spaces like this to have those conversations and introduce new thoughts and ideas, but more than that, support and community and growth. So Maggie, I thank you so much for joining me today. I'll link to couple of the resources that we mentioned in the show notes. And if someone wanted to reach out to you today, what would be the best way for them to find you? Yeah. So there's a few different ways depending on the types of platforms that you prefer. So my website is maggiegermano.com and you'll see my email on there as a easy way to directly get in touch with me. You can also schedule a free 20 minute discovery call with me through that. If you're interested in learning more about financial coaching, I'm also active on Instagram and I'm just at Maggie Germano, same on Twitter. Like you mentioned, I'm also very active on LinkedIn these days. So if you just search my name, you can find me on there. And then I mentioned the Money Circle Facebook group, which is pretty easy to find. I'm I'm always present in there and happy to answer questions. You're everywhere. Um, yep. And I think that accessibility is so important. I love that. We're going to close with a question that I have become accustomed to asking all my guests. And it's so funny asking this of you because I'm pretty sure I know your answer, but um, this is not scripted by the way. So the question is, if you had $100 right now in your hand, what would you do with it? Ooh, <laughs> that's a hard question right I now. I know, right? Uh, um, yeah. Oh, it's so funny because we were just talking about like style and all of that because I just was working with Allison in her, <clears throat> one of her 12 week courses on like revamping your style and feeling confident about your style. And one of the actions that I had been resisting taking was actually going out and buying new pieces. Mm. And so I have a few things picked out that I know that I need because it's, you know, a wardrobe piece that will make me feel more confident when I'm doing speaking events or going to networking events or whatever it might be. So I would probably take that and go actually, you know, take action on buying one of those dresses that I've picked out that I'm confident will be flattering and I'll feel really good in. Ah, so important. This has been such a great conversation. Thank you for joining me and I wish you all the success and can't wait to catch up with you soon. You've been listening to Bound and Determined, the podcast hosted by me, Meg McKean. Theme music produced and performed by Amy Gerhardt's. Learn more about the podcast, including sponsorship opportunities and how to become a guest at adjunctadvisors.com. Thanks for listening.